You're listening to Comedy Central. What if I told you imaginary friends are real? This is just so exciting. This Friday, get ready for the movie event with the greatest cast you've ever imagined. Showtime. Ryan Reynolds, John Krasinski, Haley Fleming, Fiona Shaw, Phoebe Waller-Bridge, Louis Gossett Jr., Matt Damon, Emily Blunt, George Clooney, Maya Rudolph, Bradley Cooper, Sebastian Maniscalco, John Stewart, Sam Rockwell, Aquafina, Keegan-Michael Key, and Steve Carell. I need to throw up or I need a snack. It's one of the two. Gross. If. Rated PG. Parental guidance suggested. Written and directed by John Krasinski. May 31st, 2018. From Comedy Central's World News Headquarters in New York, this is The Daily Show with Trevor Noah, Ears Edition. My guest tonight is an actor and a candidate for governor of New York. Cynthia Nixon is here, everybody! But first, but first, some earth-shattering news out of Italy. An amazing discovery in Pompeii, in Italy. Check out the skeleton just found at the archaeological site. It dates back to the year 79. Skeleton is of a man who was crushed trying to flee the explosion of Mount Vesuvius. That is so cruel. You escape a volcano only to get crushed by a rock launched by that volcano. <laughs> this is the earliest case of Final Destination ever recorded. That's what this is. <laughs> He's like, yay, I made it away from the volcano. Now I have my whole life ahead of me. A splat. <laughs> yes, Italian rocks have Italian accents. A splat. A splat. <laughs> What's even worse for this guy is that he died like a Looney Tunes character. Look at this. <laughs> That is so humiliating, it's like flat out. Next they're gonna uncover a skeleton nearby who was laughing and pointing. That's what they're gonna find. <laughs> it sucks to get crushed by a rock, but we have to remember it was the year 79. That was like the leading cause of death. It went crushed by a rock, eaten by a snake, killed by Conan the Barbarian. That's how it went. <laughs> anyway, uh, since these archeologists found this guy, maybe we could put them to work finding another lost human being, the first lady. Another big headline this morning, those growing questions about First Lady Melania Trump's whereabouts. She hasn't been seen in public for three weeks. The last time was before she was hospitalized. We know this to treat a benign kidney condition. The hashtag, where is Melania, was trending on Twitter. Well, she's now responding. She's tweeting, I see the media is working overtime, speculating where I am and what I'm doing. Rest assured, I'm here at the White House with my family, feeling great and working hard on behalf of children and the American people. What have you done with Melania Donald? What have you done? Because we know she didn't write that tweet. We know that's not her. The media is working overtime. Only one Trump says that. You Trump, you Trump say that. The only thing that would make it more obvious is if Melania's next tweet was, I'm doing great, total witch hunt. <laughs> we know it's you, Donald. Where's Melania? Where is she? I will say this, I will say this. If Trump has the password to her Twitter account, that marriage is much stronger than I thought. That is <laughs> the one upside. Uh, but I will also say, the rest of the world is getting ready to divorce his ass. President Trump is formally imposing tariffs on three of America's biggest trading partners and allies, Canada, Mexico, and 
the European Union. Both Mexico and the European Union say they will, in fact, retaliate. Canada is already threatening to retaliate. Let me be clear. These tariffs are totally unacceptable. We have to believe that at some point, common sense will prevail. But we see no sign of that in this action today by the U.S. administration. Damn. You, you may not have picked it up, but that's Canadian for you mother <laughs> That's what that is. I mean, you could see how subtly he was. He was like, we would hope common sense will prevail, but this is Trump. And you can tell that this thing is gonna get ugly, you know? I mean, not this. This would never get ugly. Look at those, look at those eyes. I mean, damn. I wish that Canadian would mount me. I mean, look at that. <laughs> yeah, you, you think I'm joking, but it's true though. It is. So, uh, welcome to 2018, where America is now beefing with Canada, but is somehow making friends with North Korea. And speaking of welcome to 2018, yesterday, Kim Kardashian made a visit to the White House for a one-on-one meeting with President Trump. And I know, I know that there's some of you thinking, I can't believe this reality show moron is in the Oval Office, but don't forget, he was elected by the American people. (laughs) So show some respect. And you know, I I don't know about you, but whenever I see a photo of someone next to Donald Trump in the Oval Office, I always play this little game in my head where I try to decide if the other person would be a better president than him. And pretty much every single time, the answer is yes. Like in this one, yes. Yeah, or in that one, yeah, yeah, yeah. And this one, this one over here, definitely, yeah, definitely. Yeah, because at least they're not allowed on Twitter yet. Yeah, it would work. And honestly, I'm, I'm not surprised to see Kim Kardashian meeting with Donald Trump. These two have so much in common. They're both reality stars. They're both big on social media. Kanye loves both of them. Uh, They both believe in employing everyone in their family, no matter how useless they are. So it makes sense. Kim Kardashian West met with President Trump yesterday. And it turns out she was there for something legit. Kim Kardashian at the White House for reasons you may not expect. The reality star lobbying for a pardon for a convicted drug trafficker and great-grandmother whose cause has caught her eye. After 21 years in a federal prison on drug charges, Kim Kardashian wants President Trump to grant 62-year-old great-grandmother Alice Marie Johnson a pardon. Kardashian took up Johnson's cause months ago. She spent over two decades behind bars. I think that she really deserves a second chance at life. Weirdest episode of the Kardashians ever. (laughs) And now, while many people applauded Kim for lobbying the president on behalf of an incarcerated great-grandmother, not everyone was happy to see her in the Oval Office. The fact that Kim Kardashian is here at the White House today (laughs) and what planet that is uh, anything resembling normal, because it's not. Uh, She shouldn't be here talking about prison reform. It's very nice that she is here, but that's not a serious thing to to have happened here at the White House. Really? She shouldn't be here? You think Kim Kardashian brings down Donald Trump's Oval Office? Is that what you think? (laughs) What could she do to make him worse than he already is. What could she do? Like, if anything, I want her to stay there longer. She could probably teach Donald Trump a thing or two about diplomacy. Like, hopefully she could be like, like, you should, like, treat China the same way that we treat black China. Because she's an outsider. No one trusts her, but we've learned to coexist. (laughs) Now, Kim, Kim was at the White House uh, to discuss the release of one specific person. But whether she planned it or not, her visit has put a spotlight on harsh sentences 
for drug crimes. You know, in the same way her sex tape put a spotlight on Ray J's music career. Another <laughs> terrible thing that many people didn't know existed. So the big question is, did Kim Kardashian successfully convince Trump to use his pardon powers? And the answer is yes. Although, as always with any Kardashian story, there's a big but. President Trump announcing today that he will pardon conservative commentator and filmmaker Dinesh D'Souza. We'll be giving a full pardon to Dinesh D'Souza today. He was treated very unfairly by our government. D'Souza did plead guilty to these violating these federal campaign finance laws back in 2014. He's perhaps best known as a provocateur who regularly pushes right-wing conspiracy theories and spews racist commentary. Okay, I'm not gonna lie, I did not see that coming. After his meeting with Kim, President Trump decided to ignore her and instead pardon a right-wing troll who is known for saying things like, Obama is a gay Muslim, black people are thugs, uh, the Charlottesville rally was staged. So basically, Kim Kardashian said, uh, can you pardon a black grandmother? And Trump said, no, but I can pardon a brown grand wizard. Is that good enough? Yeah. <laughs> and, and don't get me wrong, I'm not saying being an asshole is a reason enough not to pardon someone. What I am saying is that maybe Trump pardoned D'Souza because he is an asshole. Yeah, because Trump doesn't care about sentencing reform or government overreach. All he cares about is doing favors for people who he likes. So, Kim Kardashian, if you really want to get a pardon for your cocaine grandma, forget the meetings. Just tell her to start sending out racist Obama tweets and she'll be out in a week. We'll be right back. <laughs> Welcome back to The Daily Show. Every now and then, we get a story that makes so little sense, there's only one person who can help us figure it out. So please welcome, Ronnie Chang. Thanks, Trevor. This is a golden age in America for con men. From the Oval Office to the Oval Office, they are everywhere. <laughs> but what I'm about to show you has got to be the most elaborate con I've ever seen. Televangelist Jesse Duplantis is hoping to take the word of Jesus to new heights with help from a $54 million private jet. In a video posted to his website last week, he asked his followers for help funding the aircraft. We're believing God for a brand new Falcon 7X so we can go anywhere in the world one stop. This preacher needs a $54 million private jet? Meanwhile, I once did a Kickstarter for a bus pass. I only got 17 bucks and a coupon for my grandmother, right? <laughs> Thanks for nothing, Popo. And if you think you hate this guy now, just wait till you hear his sales pitch. Now, some people believe that preachers shouldn't have jets. I really believe that preachers ought to have and go on every available voice, every available outlet to get this gospel preached to the world. I really believe that if Jesus was physically on the earth today, he wouldn't be riding a donkey. <laughs> think about that for a minute. Yeah, I thought about it for an hour and it still doesn't make any sense. And it wasted an hour, all right? The donkey was the symbol of Jesus' humility. It was the Toyota Camry of its time, right? And even if Jesus wouldn't be riding a donkey, do you have to jump straight to private jet? The gap between donkey and private jet is all of transportation, okay? I bet Jesus would be fine taking an Uber, or at least, or at least an Uber XL, just so he has space to stretch his arms out, you know what I'm saying, because, yeah, you know. And you wanna know the craziest thing about Deacon Dollar Sign saying he needs his followers to buy him a new private jet? He already has a trinity of private planes. 
I've owned three different jets in my life and I and used them and just burning them up for the Lord Jesus Christ. This is the very first plane that I purchased for the Lord back in December 1994. Then the second one I, I purchased was in January 2004. The one I'm flying right now and I've been with it's been with me 12 years. Now people say, my Lord, can't you go with this one? Yes, but I can't go at one stop. Okay, wait, so you think the message of God is really important, but only with no layovers. <laughs> I need to save these people from hell as long as I don't have to stop over in Cleveland. Please, God, no. And Trevor, this is not just one guy, okay? It turns out there's a whole offshoot of American Christianity called the Prosperity Gospel. Duplantis is among a group of televangelists who preach that their wealth is God's will. This preys upon the poorest people that want and need money badly, where they're told if they give money, God's going to bless them a hundredfold. Duplantis lives in a 35,000 square foot mansion, tax-free. Yo, this is the greatest scam ever, okay? Jesus is a better tax haven than the Cayman Islands. I'm going to try that. Yeah, next time the IRS comes knocking, I'm going to tell them I'm not paying because I make jokes for Jesus, okay? Mazel tov. And if you're buying the idea that these pastors want to help the people, just listen to how they feel about the people. Fellow televangelist Kenneth Copeland recently bought a $36 million Gulfstream 5 jet. The two have commiserated about how they can't fly or pray with commercial airline passengers. The world is in such a shape, we can't get there without this. That's right. We've got to have this. We would have... The mess that the airlines are in today, you can't manage that today. Right. The, this dope-filled world. Right. And get in, an air, get in a long tube with a bunch of demons. A long tube with a bunch of demons? That is not wrong, okay? <laughs> to be fair, these guys might be con artists, but now I get where they're coming from. Okay, because I'm pretty sure if you look up demon in the Bible, you'll see a guy spread out in the middle seat eating a tuna sandwich with his shoes off. In fact, getting a long tube with a bunch of demons is pretty much the slogan of Spirit Airlines. Ronnie Chang, everybody. We'll be right back. Survivor 46 is here, and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast, and we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Vyadaris, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. Show. My guest tonight is an Emmy, Grammy, and Tony Award-winning actor and Democratic activist running for governor of the state of New York. Please welcome Cynthia Nixon. Welcome to the show. Thanks so much. This is so surreal for me, because the first time I thought I would ever meet you in life, I thought it would be a Sex and the City-related event <laughs> where I would have won, like, I don't know, to, like a competition to be part of the cast. But instead, <laughs> um, I'm meeting you as somebody who is running to be New York's governor, and not just governor, New York's first 
woman governor. Yes. Which is, which is a pretty tall task. There had to be a moment where you decided not to vote, but to become the person to be voted for. When was that decision made? Well, I think that the, uh, the election of Donald Trump in 2016 was a wake-up call for women all across this country. Right. gave us a feeling that we had to become involved like we never had before and that if we wanted to see real change that we had to we had to go out there and we had to bring it on ourselves by running for office. That's really exciting because yeah. that's that's exactly what you're proposing is real change and you're starting off in New York uh, the primaries are coming up but you are going up against somebody who is a behemoth in the Democratic Party Governor Cuomo mm -hmm. who uh, you know has become this 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 piece of New York. You have been seen as somebody who is pushing mm -hmm. him to the left. What are you proposing to change? Like, what are, your, what are your big ideas to change New York and to improve it? Well, I'm running really to address inequality here, to address racial inequality, to address economic inequality. Uh, and I think that we, we, we're at a really terrible moment, I think, for our nation in terms of the, the Trump agenda and the, the, the stage that he's setting for our country. Right. And it's up to us who are, who are progressives and who are Democrats to, to actually seize this opportunity. And there's no better place to do that in New York State because we are a proudly progressive state. We're two to one Democratic. Right. And our governor now, Andrew Cuomo, likes to uh, say, oh, we're the, the, most, we're the most progressive state in the, in the union. How, how can he say that? How can he say that when for the last eight years we haven't done things like pass the, the New York Dream Act? We haven't passed the Women's Equality, the Women's Reproductive Health Act. Mm -hmm. We have tens of thousands of people, uh, largely black and brown people, sitting in jail, languishing, waiting for trial because they can't afford bail. Right. We have, again, uh, so many uh, black and Latino people uh, incarcerated for, for marijuana, something that, that, that white people do with impunity. We have some of the worst voter suppression laws in the entire country in New York State. How can you have been governor for eight years and presided over this and not had movement on any of these issues, you can't call yourself a progressive, and I think, frankly, you can barely call yourself a Democrat. Wow, those are powerful words. <laughs> Governor Cuomo has had what many would consider a very progressive record, though. People would say um, he's the reason that there is a $15 minimum wage in New York City. Some people would say uh, he has been pushing progressive agendas, for instance, mm. in 2011, voting for um, same-sex marriage in New York City. You obviously feel like he could be doing more and should be doing more. And some people say that he's now moving more towards your platform because you are running. So he has said that New York should legalize marijuana. He has said that now New York needs to look at uh, reforming its, its uh, prison institutions. Do you feel that you're pushing him and would that be enough for you or do you want to go for the throne? No, I'm running to win. I am definitely running to win. Um, but I think that, right, there is this thing called the Cynthia effect where all of a sudden he is rediscovering or discovering, I guess, for the first time right. the, the, the progressive part of him or he's trying to do it real fast. Um, but he hasn't actually come out for legalizing marijuana. He's, you know, a year ago he was saying he sounded like a 1970s suburban dad saying marijuana was a gateway drug. Right. Uh, and then we came out with our platform and the next day he said, well, the, 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 the facts on marijuana have changed. 
So we'll see. We'll see. Uh, but, you know, he gets he gets credit for a lot of things that actually he was pushed into in the $15 minimum wage is a perfect example. This was something he fought for for years. And he kept saying, oh, how about $10.50 or how about $12? And basically activists organized on it for years. And finally, he was given a, he was he, he really wasn't given a choice. And so he enacted it. And now he claims credit for it. But we need we need real leadership and we need somebody who's going to be progressive, not just right before a Democratic primary. We need uh, somebody who's going to be progressive and, and act with Democratic values after the election, too. You've had interesting views on, on marijuana where you haven't just gone and said legalize marijuana. You've also said that people of color who have been uh, prosecuted for marijuana should be uh, not only should not only have their sentences expunged, but also they should be the first people to have rights to open marijuana um, stores and dispensaries. Uh, why is that so important to you? So uh, it's, it's an idea that's taking hold in a few places around the country. Uh, they're, they're, they're doing this in Oakland. They're doing this in Massachusetts. And it's really important. This is a multi-billion dollar industry. There are eight states plus the District of Columbia that already have it. Um, and there was such harm done uh, with the prosecution of, of marijuana to communities of color. Uh, and it's really important now that it's this multi-billion dollar industry that it's not just wealthy white capitalists like John Boehner who are going to profit. It's right. really important going forward that there be some kind of equity and that communities that have been the most devastated by the racist war on drugs are actually first in line to for licensing and also for small business loans and support to really to really make a success of it. Let's talk about the subway because that's all New Yorkers <laughs> want to talk about. <laughs> It's that true. is one of the biggest blights right now in New York City as one of the biggest and most powerful cities in the world. People say it has one of the worst mass transportation systems. It has the single worst record of any major transit system right. on the globe. So how do you fix that? Because Cuomo says, I mean, this thing is monumental and it cannot be fixed. You've come out with a plan. How do you think New York can begin to fix the subway? Well, it's the, the thing is, we actually... It, how to fix it is not a mystery. It's just, again, that we haven't had leadership on it. He's kicked the can down the road for eight years as it's gotten worse and worse. Delays have tripled in the last five years. We have our, 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 our train speeds are now slower than they were in 1950. So wow. we need, to, yes, I mean, it's unforgivable. And, you know, if we let the subway dies, the city of New York dies along with it. That's right. just plain and simple. But we need to replace the 1930s era signals. They're responsible for all the slowdowns and the stalls in tunnels and the massive overcrowding, which makes you feel not only like a sardine, but an angry sardine. Right, right. The worst kind of sardine. The worst yes. kind of sardine. Yes, indeed. Um, and we need to replace some of our oldest cars, which are they're not only older than you are, they're older than I am. We've got cars in our fleet that, are, that were put into service before the Beatles came to America. Wow. And what's important is when the platform that we came out with today wasn't just about how we were going to do it. It was also about how we were going to pay for it. And that includes holding millionaires accountable to pay their fair share to rescue the New York City subway system. It's, it really is a powerful platform, and, and many people have lauded your pro progressive ideas. One... Um, conversation that I've seen started that really intrigues me is that of the Democratic Party itself. So in order for you to have your name on the ballots 
and to be in the primary and have that name on the ballot, you have to get at least a certain amount of votes. You need 25%, I believe. And right now, the Democratic Party has said, we, have, we are going 95% against you. You've got 5%. So you have the establishment that is up against you. What was particularly interesting for many people was the fact that Hillary Clinton endorsed Cuomo over you. And some people said, uh, as a woman, it felt like that would have been her cause because you were both progressive. Is that something you expected of her? Were you disappointed in any way? Or do you think it doesn't matter because of what, you, what you're proposing? You know, so the, the convention happened last week. And, you know, Andrew Cuomo, he runs the New York Democratic Party. He's going to get all the establishment endorsements. We walked into the lion's den. We knew what it was. We knew it was his backyard. But we wanted to show people that, uh, you know, that they had an alternative and that we weren't afraid and that actually the Democratic Party is our party, too. Uh, so what happens now is we collect signatures. We collect tens of thousands of signatures. And it's something we always knew we were going to do. And it's a great opportunity. Actually, we have thousands of, of volunteers signed up on our website. We have an insurgent campaign. It's a people-powered campaign. And we're going to get out all across the state starting next week and talk to people about the issues. And he has $31 million, right, in his campaign coffers. But 0.1% of that are small donor donations. Wow. We got more small donor donations in the first day of our campaign than he's gotten in seven years. So. Wow. I know that everyone in New York is excited to see how this is going to turn out. Thank you so much for being it's on such the a show. Pleasure. I can't wait to see you back on here. Cynthia Nixon, everybody. The Daily Show with Trevor Noah, ears edition. Watch The Daily Show weeknights at 11, 10 Central on Comedy Central and the Comedy Central app. Watch full episodes and videos at thedailyshow.com and follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram for exclusive content and more. This has been a Comedy Central podcast. What if I told you imaginary friends are real? This is just so exciting. This Friday, get ready for the movie event with the greatest cast you've ever imagined. Showtime. Ryan Reynolds, John Krasinski, Kaylee Fleming, Fiona Shaw, Phoebe Waller-Bridge, Louis Gossett Jr., Matt Damon, Emily Blunt, George Clooney, Maya Rudolph, Bradley Cooper, Sebastian Maniscalco, John Stewart, Sam Rockwell, Aquafina, Keegan-Michael Key, and Steve Carell. I need to throw up or I need a snack. It's one of the two. Gross. If. Ready PG. Parental guidance suggested. Written and directed by John Krasinski.